0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Tip to Tail. This podcast is brought to you by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only dedicated crowdfunding platform
1: built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. My name is Bridget. And I'm Sydney. Here on From Tip to Tail, we are bringing you raw, unscripted stories from animal welfare leaders. Together, we'll dive into the work that they do, the struggles they face, and the lives that are saved along the way. Today, we're talking to Ku'ule of Paws of
0: Hawaii. They are a local 501c3 nonprofit animal rescue on the island of Oahu. They're a foster-based organization and work primarily in the homeless camps in Oahu, helping to care for, take in, and adopt out the animals in need. PAWS of Hawaii is committed to promoting awareness and support to animal guardians to ensure the proper treatment, well-being, love, and quality of life of our animal friends. So let's get started. Hi there, Kule. Yes, you did perfectly <laughs> did I? Okay, thank goodness. Oh, so we're so happy to be able to connect with you on your beautiful island. So, which island are you actually on right now?
2: So we're located on the island of Oahu, and uh, we're based mostly right in the center. We uh, do most of our adoptions, you know, in the Honolulu area. So, uh, we are on the busiest island. So kind of, it's kind of the epicenter of, um, you know, the state's population and everything.
0: Wow. Yeah, it looks, it looks so gorgeous. I mean, Sydney and I both (laughs) would love to, I mean, of course we've been trapped in our apartments for the past few months, so I'm sure. (laughs) If you're going to quarantine, you might as well quarantine in Hawaii. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. So speaking of, First things first. Before we get into a little bit of the history, how have things been going through quarantine? Have you so there's,
2: there's a few different things we actually noticed with like the quarantine, how it's affecting people and animals and the relationship and everything like that. Now with quarantine, we have seen such a huge increase on people being interested in adoption but it's been taking a lot more time with the adoption process and kind of talking with people because typically with most of the families that apply I want to say a good 30 to 40% of the families that are applying after talking with us they realize you know they're actually not going to be a good match to take in a dog right now because they want to take in a dog because they have all of this free time right now but understanding that the second that they go back to work, likely the animal is going to be returned or just become very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with being home for 10 plus hours a day because they go back to a really full, busy schedule of, um, you know, work and kids and everything else. So that's one of the big things that we've noticed. And there is that, but you know, it is really great. One of the great benefits of, um, you know, just everything that the world is going through right now, I would say a plus side is that there are so many more families willing to foster. So a lot of the families that realize they won't typically be a good home placement permanently for another dog down the line are actually signing up and instead just fostering and helping dogs find their forever homes. So we've had a big increase in foster parents and uh, really we've haven't had any dogs that have come in that have been without a foster. They all have just been able to go to the foster same day that they come in and finish their medical care.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so sweet. Yeah. On an Island, have you guys had a, a lot of COVID cases or how, how has that been going for you in Hawaii? Cause I feel like yeah. for us, we've tend to be in our own bubble. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So I have always felt Hawaii is such a, we're such a special place here, to be honest. As soon as the COVID started going around, just all of the families, everyone, you know, who is here, residents in Hawaii, they really kind of buckled down and was like, let's all not go out. Everybody really stayed home from all of the people that I work with, with the rescue to everything, you know, to the procedures that the vet implemented and to her Uh, role that she does at Aloha Affordable. I mean, just everything from only going to visit the dogs in the car, grabbing the dogs, bringing them into the clinics and now people come in. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just everybody in Hawaii really cracked down on quarantining and staying home. So it's actually been pretty, pretty low as far as the cases actually in Hawaii. I don't quote me on it, but I think it was somewhere around 700 total in the whole state.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah.
2: So yeah, I know it's really, it's really low. And, um, you know, sadly, any, anybody that passes is mm-hmm. always such a tragedy. Thankfully in Hawaii, the rate has been super low. Um, I believe last I checked, there were about 10, 10 lives that were lost, but I'm so grateful to be able to live somewhere where, you know, just it's, it's really not as scary as what I'm seeing around the rest of the world, but we are, everybody's still being super, super, super careful. And all of the businesses are still implementing, you know, um, worst case scenario type of procedures and everything.
0: That's so great. I mean, what a testament to like a community taking it seriously.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and no, absolutely. There, there are watch pages, Places for the local community for um, people because everybody from like people from like New York and the mainland are coming to Hawaii because we have so low cases that they want to escape from where they live. Mm-hmm. And but then they come and then they break quarantine because you're supposed to stay home for 12 or uh, 14 days. And so there's like watch groups on Facebook <laughs> and everything. People <laughs> trying to make sure that everybody is doing the right thing mm-hmm. and being on quarantining,
1: <laughs> right? Others holding others accountable Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean that makes sense
0: I mean Mm -hmm. especially on an island I know before you jumped on Sydney and I were talking about like what it takes to bring a dog over to Hawaii and yeah because I mean as such a small island I mean you're susceptible to a lot as well so speaking on that I mean so how did you get into rescue (laughs) how did I get into rescue I mean I
2: was born and that was it. <laughs> so, I mean, initially, I have to say it really probably has everything to do with the allowances that my mom gave for me as just growing up, honestly, because mm-hmm. most parents, you bring home a flea-infested feral cat. And they're like, okay, go take it to the Humane Society. But no, my mom let me care for every animal that I brought home. And trust me, there was a lot from (laughs) random stray lost ducklings and chickens to cats, to turtles, to just every stray dog that we came across and provided care for. Um, I really just grew up. I cared for rabbits, fish, birds, cats, dogs, turtles guinea pigs, just everything. So, I mean, I really just grew up with such a great exposure to animals and really even more so than that, it was the understanding that no animal is the same and every single animal needs something different and kind of just like an acceptance of, okay, this is what this animal needs as far as behavioral and health and just kind of be being able to deal with it. Because so many people that take in animals, um, you know, along the lines, they might develop an issue here and there and they get defeated and sometimes give up. But if you just know, if you just have a like a firm belief that yes, you can deal with whatever comes across, then you really just find a way to make it work. Um, you know, I was 17 when I actually started the rescue. So um, I started it oh really not with an intent to start the rescue, <laughs> but, um, you know, more of just having a serious love for animals and just wanting to help any animal that I came across. And I actually grew up, my mom runs a really big nonprofit here in Hawaii. So my whole life was spent volunteering mm-hmm. and you know, giving time to uh, work in the community and help just Really, every single weekend and throughout the week, and just everything. So, I started volunteering for different rescues when I was 17, and then I started taking in animals on my own. And, you know, uh, my first case actually that I did fully by myself was a little tiny puppy that was that I came across, it was right nearby where I lived, um, the the neighbors had found the dog taped up in a box and left outside by the mail. And they they didn't know that there was a puppy in there. They were walking their dog and their dog started sniffing this box and trying to knock it over. And then all of a sudden they realized an animal was in there. So they opened it up and they found a little puppy and the puppy had a broken leg that the family had allowed to heal over without actually taking it in for treatment. So it had a big calcium buildup and everything, you know, so I took her in and I took her into the vet myself. Um, I was working at the time. So, you know, I took her in, paid for her care, got her checked out by our veterinarian. And then I fostered her for a couple of months, helped her to heal. And then eventually ended up like I did a bunch of meet and greets. I would drive out to the different families' houses and, um, you know, visit with them and see how, if it would be a right fit for her. And one of the things that I found is I really liked um, kind of like the interpersonal uh, communication with people, you know, try- and trying to establish, you know, is this going to be the right match for this particular dog? Definitely. And if- yeah, and eventually I found her the most perfect home. I still follow them on social media today. She ended up adopting um, another sister, and um, you know she's she's living her best life for sure. So I'm super happy with that one, and that was my very first all on my own rescue that I did, <laughs> and it kind of just grew from there. And from there, I would rescue a couple dogs here and there. And, you know, just kind of do the same thing, really just slow and, you know, just ensuring that each one found the right fit. And then when Mm I was around 18, our 19 was when we really established the actual rescue. We started doing more intakes. And I found that I really just needed a means to find the dogs a really great home. And so, um, you know, Paws of started when I was 17, but it really got established when I was about 18 or 19. And um, we actually created and established the rescue in 2013. And then we, you know, had a, more of a social media Build and we from there we just kind of were able to find more animals' homes. I, you know, at in the beginning it was just my family and friends that were helping with fostering and caring for the animals as they got ready for adoption. And as we grew, we ended up growing and you know, taking in more families into our foster community. And we honestly still have people that were working with us in that very first beginning that still work with us now. And one of the ladies who initially started with us, she's actually one of our administrative team members. And, you know, she's been working with us for like a good six or seven years now. And, um, you know, it's awesome because one of the biggest things as a as a really family-based rescue is that we, you know, we really work on our relationships with our foster families and pretty much all of the foster families that work with us, foster with us as long as they're here in Hawaii, if they do eventually move, or if they are long-term here in Hawaii, they foster with us, you know, continually over the years and help out until they just find a foster that they can't live without and end up adopting.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. That's that, beautiful. That's such an amazing story. I mean, when I was seventeen, I was not doing
1: anything <laughs> like that, right? Oh, I was just thinking oh that. Gosh. I was like, "Oh my gosh, oh. I was so um, I was so <laughs> I, not doing, you know, <laughs> to my full potential." Seventeen, like you. Oh <laughs> I think it was just really
2: the level of responsibility that was put upon me for you know, this is your animal, you need uh, to uh, care uh, for your animal. Because when I was how old was I? When I was fifteen, I believe I got a puppy that was 12 hours old and, you know, I took her in, she was frozen like an ice cube and she, she honestly was my first, first one that I did on my own. But, you know, I still kind of had a little bit of help from my mom at that time. Actually, I think I was 16. Yeah. Cause it was when I got my first job. Um, and so I was caring for this puppy and she was literally this little frozen ice cube puppy. She ended up having two bacterial infections back to back that we had to treat Uh and care for. I literally didn't think she was going to live past four months. I was like happy to get every single day that I got with her and I can't keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) She, she, if you actually look at my house, she's the one who's all over all of my walls, but I got a good eight years with her.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: she, she, <laughs> she's our logo so if you look at the positive point logo she is the black dog that's
0: at the center of it Aww. oh my gosh and she was so lucky to have you I mean <laughs> just to think if she had encountered anyone else who knows what would have happened but <laughs> because you were there and you're like listen like I have the resources sure I'm 16, but I have a job, and I'm gonna spend <laughs> yeah. whatever I can to make sure that you're happy and healthy. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. four, <laughs> at four months old, she actually. Um, at four months old, she actually needed a cyst uh, removed, a surgery, and so I was, I was working at Jamba Juice. So <laughs> I her surgery. I, was, I had this awesome vet, and you know I'd been going to that vet since literally I was three years old with our first dog, and. So, um, you know, it was like $150 and I uh, saved all my money and I got her the surgery done. She healed up great. So she's really like my whole heart and soul. And so that's why she's, she's at the center of the logo for the rescue.
1: Oh, I love that. The legacy that you're creating in her name too. I mean, yeah. she's probably so proud of you and, you know, vice versa. That's, that's just amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh, it was a couple years ago now, but I still can't talk about her.
1: Oh yeah, of course. <laughs>
0: Definitely. I mean, and it's. I'm sure that really speaks to how you're caring for every animal that comes into your care. Now you're. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what started it all. So, I mean, that's yeah. with that intention, intense emotion. I mean, it just it really speaks to how well you're caring for all these other animals as well. Thanks. That's <laughs> no, it's it's really amazing. I mean, and at that young, I mean. I think I'm gonna go out on a limb and say most other 16-year-olds, if they had hundred and fifty dollars, they were they would not be like, and now I'm gonna get this cyst removed. Right? Yeah. And no, definitely not. Especially like, you know how much how many smoothies you probably had to sling in order right. to get that? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. So let's talk a little bit about pause of Hawaii do you have a lot of strays on Oahu? Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, you have no idea. It's so crazy. People think that, you know, because we're an island, there's not, you know, as many stray dogs Mm -hmm. that you're going to find. But we have so much land that is undeveloped in certain areas, like the North Shore. That's all like, you know, preservation land, preserving the island and everything. But in those areas are where we find the most communities of stray dogs that are just either dumped by other people. People will drive out to the end of the island and leave their dogs there. And when I say the end of the island, I mean, as far as the road goes, and then the road stops at that um, tip and people drive out there, they dump their dogs. And it's been happening for many, many years, you know, it's kind of, it's such a catch 22 because people don't want to, um, you know, put them down or have them put down or have take them somewhere where they would be put down. But at the same time, instead, they're just going to dump the dog and Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense at all. I always feel, you know, for people when they have an animal, if they need help with rehoming, there are resources, rescues and shelters will be happy to just put up a courtesy post, that sort of thing. Or if you take them down to our Humane Society, You know, they have an option um, there where they can go up for adoption. Mm -hmm. But instead, many uh, do take animals and actually end up leaving them somewhere. And then typically the animals that get dumped are not fixed. So they end up having puppies. And then we find these puppies that have just kind of, we have to catch them in the trap because they're um, too scared of people as they've never met a human since they were born you know, just in the fields of Waianae. So, um, you know, we have to really socialize them once we get them in, love them, a lot of touching, a lot of, um, you know, just kindness and just helping them to understand that people are going to be good to them. Uh, Because from their parents, they learned, you know, run away from the cars, run away from people, avoid, avoid, avoid. And so we really have to work with them a lot. I definitely think we have such a huge number of animals in Hawaii that are always in need. And we have a lot of different rescues on this island, but really they are hardly even able to keep up typically with all of the animals um, that are coming in. This quarantine has actually been really great because we've been able to increase the number of dogs in our care. Typically, the dogs that we keep in our care, we usually like to stay at the number about 50, Um, but recently we've been at like 70 to 80 dogs in our care, and that's really just kind of due to the quarantine, having more fosters um, available to help
0: care for the dogs. So are you entirely foster-based then?
2: Yes. So we are entirely foster based. So every single dog that we take in goes into foster home, even if they are super afraid. We have a lot of really amazing fosters that work with us um, that can handle and take care of dogs that have that, um, you know, a little bit of instilled fear in them and have to work on that. Um, We have fosters that are open to taking in ringworm cases. We have fosters that are open to Parvo. Um, You know, it really just depends on a case-by-case basis. And, you know, say we are sending a dog that needs continued care for parvo to a home. So typically what we do is we hospitalize them. And then once they're released from the hospitalization, we put them into a foster home. So uh, we also put them into a foster home without other dogs. We set them up for a quarantine area Mm -hmm. with the animal and everything. And then once the animal is about three or four weeks out, they typically get the all clear and they're ready to start moving towards adoption. And whatnot. So, we really help with, you know, kind of just resources. We cover all of the medical care, of course, for all of our fosters. And with our fosters, we send them all out with food um, and a kennel. Puppies will always send them with puppy pads. The adult dogs will always send them with um, leash and collar. And um, typically, we're able to send out other supplies as well, you know, such as food, I mean, such as shampoo and toys and stuff that we have in from our great, awesome families around the island that send in donations and whatnot.
0: That's amazing that you're like so comprehensive in everything that you offer your fosters. (laughs) We really try to do our
2: best because we so appreciate them. Honestly, like if you look at any of our postings on Facebook, it says, you all know we cannot take in this animal unless we find a foster. And that's so true. For each animal that we put up, we put them up on our page prior to taking them in. Today, we get a call about a stray in Waianae. Before we can pick up the dog. We have to line up a foster. So these fosters are like kind of checking yes to something that they really don't know. But we do comprehensive care once they come in. So we pick up the dog. We uh, when they come in we do parvo testing, Giardia testing, fecal testing, deworming, vet check, vaccines, uh, flea and tick prevention, heartworm prevention, oh my gosh. Um, microchipping, and then we give the faucets an update. So the foster that checked, yes, saying, yeah, I'll take that dog. You know, we tell them, okay, so this dog doesn't have Parvo. It does have Giardia. It needs five days of being on its own to get through five days of medication and treatment. And then once you're clear there, we'll bring them back in and then you're good. So uh, we kind of give them like an update as long as they're still comfortable With the situation, once they get the assessment and the dog and everything, then it's great, and they'll take them home, you know. And if not for any reason, then we'll just typically have a backup foster lined up to help with um with the animal that is coming in.
1: And do a majority of your fosters do they come from Oahu or do they come from the other islands as well?
2: That is a great question. So we only do fostering on Oahu, if somebody is on the other islands that wants to work with us, wants to foster dogs, or even typically wants to adopt, I will connect them with the, I like to call them the sister rescues that we work Mm -hmm. with. We have this one rescue on Big Island that I adore. I've known her, honestly, I'm going to actually tell you, she was one of the first rescues that I was calling when I was 17 and first getting into rescue. And she really has been so amazing. Her name is Debbie. She's on Big Island. She runs CARES on the Kona side of the island. And you know, I've worked with her ever since I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. so if somebody comes in that wants to foster on an outer island, I definitely refer them to Debbie on Big Island. Um, there's a few different rescues on um, the other islands as well that we do refer people out to. Um, but yeah, so for Oahu, we uh, send out fosters to the entirety of the island all over, all over Oahu but we actually take in dogs from the entire state. So uh, we've taken in dogs from Big Island. we take taken dogs from Maui. I've taken dogs, um, you know, actually from the Kauai. We once had to actually, this was a really fun one. Uh, there was a mama dog and puppies that were found in Kauai. And they were just born, like two or three days old, but mama was growling and snapping it everybody, Mm. you know, trying to bite terrified. She was a dumped dog that had obviously been living just as a stray for so long that she developed a really deep fear. And so she didn't want anybody near her newborn puppies, which is understandable. And so she was actually going to be euthanized and the puppies were going to be euthanized because they didn't have the capacity for you know, caring for them Mm -hmm. at that time. So they called the lady who found them and she was actually just a tourist visiting that Island. And so she had called all the different rescues and Mm -hmm. we ended up saying, yes, we can. So we chartered a plane, flew over to Kauai, picked up the mama and the puppies and brought them back to Oahu. And they actually lived with me at my house until they were ready for adoption. (laughs)
1: That's amazing. Oh, I love that. Wow! And so you were able
0: to socialize them enough that they oh, came out? Oh yeah!
2: Um, no, it's ac- well, it's actually such a great story because the lady that was visiting Maui lived on Oahu, and so she flew oh. back to Oahu. I cared for Mama and puppies, and then she ended up adopting Mama after she was oh. ready for adoption. So it was actually oh. really fantastic because not just anybody would have been able to take in that dog. By the time she was ready for adoption, she was a lot better. But still very, very shy and, of course, going to need that future care and everything. But, you know, she's, this was a good, I want to say five or maybe six years ago now. So, um, you know, she's been with her human ever since, so...
1: I love that. How what a coincidence that she was actually from Oahu.
2: Yes, I know. (laughs) It's so great. She's like, you know, we don't know what to do because we're just visiting this island, and you know, it's so amazing. And we love we love doing outer island rescues too, Mm -hmm. just because we know, um, you know, Oahu really is the epicenter of the state, and we have so many adopters looking for dogs here. So we'll help out with cases that are on. islands like Moloka'i, where really the population is so low that there are honestly so many dogs, even young puppies that go without being able to find homes. (laughs) So um, quite often uh, we'll pick up dogs from Moloka'i and bring them over to Oahu and uh, help care for them and then find them homes and everything else. But no, it's really great. We love our partnership with the other rescues, especially CARES over on the Big Island and really just everybody kind of working together together to you know to help out with all the animals
1: i love when rescues have that sort of point of view where it's not just you know one rescue for themselves or things like that it's a collective effort um you know partnerships with shelters and other rescues because it's all you know it's all working towards one one mission Um, i so agree i so -hmm, i love that yeah, especially since this
0: woman, it sounds like she like really sowed a seed in you and, and made you realize like, no, this is possible. Like you could oh, do this, yeah. you could start your own rescue. Absolutely no. She's so
2: amazing and I love her. And you know, um, she's she's so fantastic. Debbie is great. Anybody that talks to her just loves her. She's so wonderful. So yeah, I know it is it's so funny because I initially had reached out to her. Early, when I first turned 17, because I wanted to foster a golden retriever that they had because um, he was super, super old, and um, she's actually one of the people I first started working with when I actually initially started the rescue, actually, when I was 19. She would send over animals to Oahu uh, with her friend who was a pilot, and she would just send them over here, and then I would adopt them out here on this island. So we really just have, like, this great partnership, even... From Big Island to Oahu, there are more people here um, on Oahu than on Hawaii Island. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great. We love it. We love working with everybody.
0: So you work with Sydney, yes, um, on all <laughs> yes. your fundraisers? Because <laughs> yeah. she was mentioning that you do tend to have quite a few animals with skin conditions and it mm-hmm. seems All to me, way. I mean, I mean, of course, like you're going to have different experiences over there than yeah. like metropolis area over here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering, yeah. yeah, what do you see? So mm-hmm. one of our biggest skin conditions that we see, it's
2: actually a, um, a condition called demodex, which is a form of mange, but it's a non-contagious form of mange that is more genetically passed from mother to puppy. And we see that one, all the time. Another really another one is we see a lot of bad flea allergies and then mm. combated with sunburns. A lot of the dogs that we get in have this really red, puffy, sunburnt skin oh. or they have flea allergies, really agitated oh, skin. Please. We get so many completely naked red, swollen, infected dogs all the time. It's super, super, super common because to be one hundred percent honest, a lot of people uh, a lot of people don't really understand the importance of clean mm-hmm. prevention mm-hmm. and with the bugs, hoi is such a nice, moist, kind of rainy right. environment that um, there is such a big, you know, a big population of crawlers. So we have a lot of flies and mosquitoes and fleas and all of that. And you know they land on the dogs, they agitate their skin. Um, the fleas cause the dogs to just kind of eat at themselves and they end up losing care and all of this stuff. And so we really have to treat for flea allergies a lot. We actually have this one girl in right now. Her name is Ippo. She is beautiful. She's so sweet. She's a little Pomeranian mix and she was just found as a stray. She went on the 24 hour or 48 hour hold. Nobody ended up claiming her. And so she came, um, into our care for fostering and, um, and adoption. And she was just completely naked and red cause she was living mm-hmm. outside and she had a severe flea allergy combated with just severe itchiness, scratching all of her hair was just completely fallen out. Except for her face was the only spot she had hair on still. So she's getting all of her medical care and treatment done. And then once she finishes up that, she's going to be ready for adoption. And she is just the sweetest little dog.
1: I can't even... Well, and what, what would if... you say, I guess, for those skin... Because I know with a lot of skin yeah. cases, perhaps they maybe take a, a bit of a longer time to recover, to fully heal. What would you say is like the average like period of time of um, recovery for those animals that you take yeah. in?
2: Good question. So I would typically say that for animals recovering from skin conditions, it might be around four weeks for that initial result. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to take a long while, of course, for the fur to fully look as beautiful Mm -hmm. as a typical dog would. But within those first four weeks, you're going to see a very nice initial result of, wow, this dog looks completely better. The redness has gone down, (laughs) the falling the scratching and everything is feeling a lot better in the dog. And one of the first things that we do is we put the dog in um, on flea and tick prevention, which really helps to combat the initial issues. We'll do skin testing, skin scrapes and all of that stuff. Uh, We really love to ensure that our fosters keep fostering with us. And one of the ways that we do that is by ensuring that our testing and our care for the animals is as comprehensive as we can so that we're not sending them home with animals that is going to be, oh, surprise, mm-hmm. this animal has this wrong with it and we didn't know. So we usually, upon our first visit, we'll do, if the dog has any kind of like skin issues, we'll try to do, you know, as comprehensive testing as we can, whether it's uh, checking for ringworms, skin scrapes, all of that kind of stuff, and just ensuring that the animal has. We have a full understanding of what mm-hmm. is going on with the animal.
1: No, I love that. I love that you're so comprehensive and so thorough when, you know, giving an animal to a foster. its It's, I feel like it's almost easier to foster for that sort of rescue that's going to, you know, take every measure and do everything yeah, possible just, to make sure that you're getting that pet with everything that it needs to succeed. Yeah, that's um, one of our
2: biggest goals because mm-hmm. we want to always, um, we always want to keep, you know, we want to keep our fosters. We want mm-hmm. these people that really care about the animals that are continuing to provide great care for them. We want to make sure that they keep coming back and helping with more and pretty much majority of all of our fosters will continue to foster with us for um, as long as they're available to, and so the way that we help with that is by ensuring that we do our best to provide needed supplies as mm-hmm. in kennel. And if they come up with something else that you know they really need, uh, if it's a higher cost one, sometimes we'll put up a little a little fundraiser. Say they need a really special type of walking harness or a. We have some dogs that come in with such severe skin issues that we have to buy them a special type of collar that has a nice Sherpa style lining on the inside so that it doesn't rub and agitate mm-hmm. their skin when they're walking. Um, so you, different things like that. We always try to really ensure that the fosters are continually able to keep coming back for, to help with more
1: no, animals, no definitely because they want to see the transformation too they want to yeah, know the, you know yeah. they're playing their part and stuff like that so that's yeah. i like that a lot that's that's just really good responsible rescue
0: yeah. And with such like attention to detail too. I mean, I would never even think like a little Sherpa lining in my head. I'm like, I'm like, that's just cute. Um, but it's functional. No, that yeah, We we do that with our, our dogs. And then the really
2: shy ones, um, like this, this one girl who we just got in and um, actually girl and boy, Alana and Andrew, um, they both had to get a special harness that has the Sherpa lining around the underarms because they, both have that Demodex um, skin condition. They came from the same family. It was actually a family of 30 dogs that were living at the beach, and we've been slowly kind of taking them in and helping them to find homes. I think we took in maybe about 25 of them total. Another wow. few um, took in a good group of them. There's actually had to have been more than 30 because I know they took in at least 12 of them. So, I mean, it's, it's just something. Cause if you don't, if you put a normal harness on them, then you're going to just have to bring them back in for mm-hmm. having redness and chafing <gasps> underneath their underarms and have that mm-hmm. treated.
0: So definitely. Yeah. Well, so is this your full-time job or do you have, are you still a Jamba juice? Or I love
2: Jamba Juice. Oh, I love Jamba Juice. It gives you good life skills on how to make the best smoothies. (laughs) So I um, actually had jumped around to several different jobs after, you know, I just kind of went wherever would help me pay for the animals care. Because when we were starting out as a rescue, all of the medical bills my family paid for. So, you know, like, we were paying for the $3,000 of hospitalization that this one puppy needed, you know, and mm-hmm. we, weren't, we weren't a big rescue back then. And so it was really just, um, you know, just us kind of just really just loving the animals so much and just doing everything that we could to ensure that they got what they needed. And so I jumped around to different jobs. I ended up going to actually work in dog grooming. And that was great because that was one of the things that I wanted to learn how to groom the dogs so that I could groom the rescue dogs. And so that was fantastic. I, I, uh, did that for a while and learned how to groom the dogs. And then I ended up actually kind of, kind of working at a veterinary clinic. Um, by that, I mean, I would go there literally every day and work, but you know, um, she would help do care for the animals and I would help with, um, you know, just doing the care and all of the, um, all of the medical assisting and help her in surgery and everything. And it was kind of like a job, but it wasn't actually a job. It was just that like, it was, I would go there, I would help with everything. I assisted in like 600 surgeries that, you know, it was so much fun. I loved it. I think that was right when I was like 19 to
0: wow.
2: 21. And so I spent a couple years there doing that. And really, I got so much, Experience with just hands-on medical um, care for the animals. I learned all the different types of medications that they need. Um, you know, and that's really, really useful in rescue because I have a full understanding of pretty much all the general um, you know, medical care and what the treatments are going to be. So I absolutely love that. And so I did that for a couple of years and also while working another job to help pay for all of the animals, extra medical needs, but that, that was, she was amazing. And she really just did so much care for the dogs and she would just, she would just donate her time and her love into these animals and just help with that. And that was fantastic. Um, she now is moved off Island and, um, we ended up pairing up with this incredible human being who I absolutely adore. Her name is Dr. Kelly. She met us initially when we were at a time period where we didn't have a vet at all. We didn't have a vet to use and we were trying to find out how we were gonna do this because we were taking them to, you know, outside vets. It's just that the cost was a lot higher for us because it wasn't our vet that we were working with personally. And so we ended up meeting this amazing human, Dr. Kelly, the best person ever. And she started fostering for us a bottle feeding puppy. And, um, you know, she wasn't currently working as a veterinarian and she just was helping us with, animals. And she just started helping us with, you know, care here and there. She didn't work at, at a clinic, but she was of course a veterinarian here in Hawaii. Um, and then she created a clinic that was completely based around providing affordable veterinary care to the community and even more affordable veterinary care to the rescues. And so along with her already really low cost prices, the prices are even lowered for, um, 501c3 nonprofit rescues that come to her for care. And so it's truly amazing because that is our primary veterinarian that we go to for our care, Aloha Affordable Veterinary Services. And she is the reason why we are able to do such a high volume of animals. Because I tell people all the time, you know, we'll never stop rescuing, but if we do not have a veterinarian that provides that low cost, the number of animals that we save is going to be a lot slimmer. But if we have a veterinarian that helps us with that really low cost, we could do so much more and save so many more animals. And so once she came in, we really started to just be able to work with so many more animals. Um, Prior to meeting her, I think we were doing maybe you know, 100, 200 adoptions a year. That's awesome, but nothing crazy. I think last year working with Dr. Kelly, um, fully we did like 600 adoptions in one year. Honestly, we're gonna beat that record so out of the park this year because we're almost, you know, we're hitting such great number for adoptions and we're not even we're just barely halfway through this year. So it's so amazing. And I owe her so much for just being such a great support. She still fosters for us. I love her. I took in this pig, a baby bottle feeding pig. And I called her to see if she would do medical treatment for it. And she's like, no, no, just bring it to me. I'll care for it. And so she bottle fed, she's currently bottle feeding this pig with her five kids and they love this little pig and they're helping to care for the pig. And once he's ready for adoption, uh, we're going to put him up for adoption and find a really great home for him. But I mean, it just kind of goes to show her heart for the animals and how much she loves and
0: cares for them. So oh,
1: I love that. That's,
0: yes. nice. <laughs> That's I so adorable. I've heard actually such great things about having a pig for a pet too. Yeah.
2: They're so, they're like, they're so just, they love people and people don't realize how amazing animals are and that they're, they're like little dogs, except some people say they're even smarter. I I don't know, because I haven't personally owned a pig. I've done pig adoptions. My friends have pigs, but I've heard that they are sometimes smarter than dogs. Oh
0: my gosh. That's so amazing. And I mean, I love that she's like doing all this for the community too, because I think so many people say this, like, they're like, oh, it, it costs too much to get my pet like spade or neutered or to get this medical care and so they put it off and put it off. But it's like, Mm -hmm. no, the resources are out there. If you look, if you're willing to look a little bit, there are these people with such great hearts that are like, No, like I'll give you low cost this or that or like partner with a rescue. And I'm sure so many rescues are like, No, we want you to keep your pet in your home. Like let's help you get this medical care that you need.
2: Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do, uh, speaking of like outreach and stuff like that, uh, one of my favorite parts of doing rescue is actually uh, we do it in hand in hand with Dr. Kelly at Aloha Affordable. And it's really about her heart for outreach and everything. But we go out into the homeless communities and we team up with her and we just provide care for um uh, homeless animals. So, either dogs that don't have any owners or dogs that belong to the actual homeless people that live out there. And we've done so many outreach um, events with Dr. Kelly. Uh, We walk through the homeless camps and just literally go one by one. She bet checks the animals, uh, gives vaccinations. We do heartworm testing, flea and tick prevention, test them for bleeding disorders, um, just kind of just ensuring that their overall health is good. A lot of them need skincare um, help. And so medication is provided for that if they have infected ears. And this is all something that, um, you know, is just all about her heart for rescue and us just loving to help the animals and kind of pairing with her. One of the big, big, big rescues we did actually exactly one year ago was out on that west coast I was telling you about where all of the animals get dumped. So all the way out on the west side at the end, absolute end of the island, there were, I want to say about 80 dogs that were living there and being cared for by just really the community of the homeless people and everybody around there, 80 dogs that were dumped by their human owners out on that side of the island. And, you know, and so we went out there in one day, we just put out this call to the community, put out calls for people to come by, put out calls for people to, you know, fill out the foster form, volunteer, everything. And we sent all but three home that day. Every single dog except for three dogs went home on that day and found a place. And before they went home, Dr. Kelly did the full spectrum. They got vaccines, every single dog. It it was the most amazing thing. I have a video of it. I have to send it to you because it was the best day ever. The dogs came in and we had a full train of stations. The first stop was um, putting a leash and collar on the dog. Second stop was a full bathing station. Third stop, we had a groomer that came out. She did their ears and their nails. And next stop was tick and flea picking. There were literally (gasps) ladies there with tweezers picking and cleaning um, all of the ticks and stuff oh and then there were uh, then there was the veterinary station and they went through they got scanned for microchips to make sure they didn't have anybody looking for them and then they got full vaccinations testing flea and tick treatment heartworm prevention uh, heartworm testing all of that done that day and we had these amazing donors. Uh, One lady, even, or one lady and uh, another man who owns a company drove by with a flatbed truck filled with dog food. Everybody got (gasps) them dog dog food. I mean, our island is just filled
1: with really the
2: best people in the world. I
1: have to say, I might be biased, but it, was, no, it sounds like it. it, it. I'm like, I want to go great- to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go there. The greatest
2: day ever. And every single dog went home with a bed, a leash, a collar. We had, um, a lady that we had make new tags for every single dog. We had like a hundred tags made. Every single dog had their own little paws of Hawaii tag with their number and everything on it. Everybody got microchipped. It was just So incredible. And that was actually exactly one year ago. So that was fantastic. And we did that with Dr. Kelly. It was just such a blessing and such a great day. And you know, that's really one of the things that we absolutely love. And once we get out of this whole COVID quarantine type of situation, we definitely look forward to doing some more outreach again. I'm sure there's gonna be a really big need, seeing as there, the need hasn't been met currently while everybody's in this quarantine.
0: It sounds like you are so organized. And right? so, I was just thinking that. Like, tell me, like, the the coffee on Hawaii must be fueling you to do all these. Freaking,
2: don't freak out. My friends freak out at me all the time. I don't drink coffee.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> Dear God. I mean, you, I think there's like a stigma of people who live on Hawaii that it's all like island time and like <laughs> chillax, but you are so passionate. You're, you've got so much energy and you're mm-hmm. putting it all into these amazing projects. And I mean, that's in, that, I mean, just imagining that assembly line of getting dogs ready. I'm like
1: picturing it in my head and it just sounds like I want to be there. Like I just want to be a part of that.
2: No, honestly, anybody who went was like, this was like seriously life-changing. We had this amazing guy who runs events. He brought by and like donated the time. We didn't have to rent it for this huge like 20 by 30 tent. And then we literally just called out for kennel donations. We had like 50 kennels kennel 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 just sit up side by side each one covered with its own sheet so each dog went into its own cubby hole until it was ready to start getting the care done and then we literally had cars packed in line with foster families they came in they signed in um fosters that had signed up with us because we actually do um you know we really care about putting the animals into a safe home so we do have a foster application so um the day prior we had everyone signed up on the foster application and then fielded through all of that and everything, but people just came and lined up and signed in after they got there. And then they just went through and they met the dog with their family and made sure that it was going to be okay. And um, it, it was going to be a good match. All understanding that the dogs are a little bit overwhelmed by all that's going on, but it was just so fantastic. And to finish the day with only three dogs, not finding a place was Unreal, it was so amazing, and it was even funnier because we we're all like, Yeah, we're done, let's go get food, let's go get dinner. We were driving home, and along the way, this dog runs out into the middle of the road. And then, we, of course, I pull over anytime that happens, <laughs> I pull over, walk him back to his house, you know, kind of like shoe him, like, Okay, we're going here. And then there's this house with all of these puppies running around outside, and oh so you know, I kind of call in and say, Hi, is anyone home? and you you know, talk with them about being neuter and stuff and everything and kind of set up with them to get their dogs fixed and then kind of just approach them about being, allowing the puppies to find homes. And they ended up being like, yep, sure. Take them. So we loaded them up in our car. Oh my gosh. Everybody up. And, you know, we ended up taking everybody in. They are fixed, vaccinated, cared for, and then the puppies all found home. So.
0: Incredible. Rescue so <laughs> yeah incredible. Rescue never, I mean, it never. never it really doesn't. It's so amazing that it just informs like so much of your life. Like, I feel like there's no other passion that that's that way. Um, I mean, you don't do rescue unless you absolutely
2: will not do rescue unless you are doing it because you are absolutely in love with the animals. Anybody that goes into rescue for any other reason they will quit and they will burn out because it is the most draining thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. You are, you are constantly, you spend your own time, money, money. Effort, love, everything, and you pour it into these animals. And these are animals that you're not even going to end up keeping. They're not going to be yours forever. They're gonna go to another home, which is in itself super rewarding. But some people just don't get it. I hear on a daily basis calling fosters and you know, people interested in fostering. I don't know how you could possibly foster. I would just, I wouldn't be able to foster because I wouldn't be able to give them up. But you know, once you really get into fostering and understand what fostering is, it's so rewarding to see. Them go to new homes. I follow all my fosters on Instagram, so I can kind of see their lives and mm-hmm. see just the amazing life that they are living. And it's so rewarding to see that.
0: <laughs> so amazing. Well, so I mean, you've been doing this for for a few years now. So how it sounds like you have just, I mean, so many like sister organizations, friends, vets, like all these amazing people that are are feeding into this mission that your rescue has. How many people are actually working in the rescue? alone.
2: Yeah. So, uh, we've been doing this for about nine years and, um, to clarify how many people are working in the rescue, (laughs) do you mean how many people get paid or how many people? Oh no, no, no. Just uh, working. Working with us. Okay. Like, (laughs) uh, fosters and volunteers and that kind of thing. Right. Okay. So we have, this is just people who have signed up, but we don't actively have this many fosters, but we have like a few hundred fosters that are in our signup system. You know, some of them are long-term for our really, really core fosters. I would say we have a good bunch of maybe like a hundred fosters that really continue to work with us, you know, and some people take a couple months break and then they come back, you know, so it's kind of, it's a staggered with different people and everything, but we have a really core group of a great, about a hundred fosters. And then we have a team of about five ladies that are our admin who are around different areas of the island that really do more um, hands-on work. One lady runs our runs our webpage. We have another lady that runs all of our donation thank yous and letters and everything like that. Um, one lady really um, does more work in our foster care program. Another lady does donation collection, and then me, I do, um, I do it pretty much full spectrum, but mostly I focus on adoption and then rescue. So I coordinate for the rescue of the animals. And then, um, I do all of the application processing and, um, lining up meet and greets and all that kind of stuff.
0: That's amazing. I mean, you sound so organized with how many fosters you have with how you're coordinating like across these different islands. I mean, it's, it's quite a, an organization that you've, you've really grown. I mean, what are your goals for the future? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So
2: <laughs> our goals for the future is to get better at the one thing that we do not do, <laughs> which is grant writing. So pretty much all of our um, funding that we take in is really crowdsourcing and you know, saying, hey guys, this is what we need. If anybody can give, great. Thank you so much. This is where it's going to. This is what um, the animal needs. To get done, this is medical care, etc. One of the things that we really need to work on is, um, you know, finding a way to do grants so that we can actually do even more outreach. I really, really, really want to do more free care for the homeless dogs in the community, which would be possible if we could do more grant writing and that kind of thing. And currently, right now, Paws and Foy doesn't pay. Any employees, so all of my five ladies who work with us, I love them so much. But uh, we all just do this because we love animals. So um, I I make a little laugh when when people say, "Is this your full time job?" I'm like, "Yup, (laughs) 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 unpaid, but I love it." But Mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. Um, You know, and so that's one of our goals is to definitely, um, you know, if hey, if there's anybody out there that can help with that, you know, grant writing is Mm -hmm. something that we really need to work on. Another thing is we have just kind of been praying about it and hoping that there is going to be that perfect spot for us somewhere, even hopefully here on the Windward side that um, we can kind of establish as like a training center and a place to kind of do adoptions. Now, we never, ever, ever want to be a shelter because that goes away from our core I want to just say core mission of really because the animals that we take in are so unsocialized, typically. Mm -hmm. They are just, they're the abandoned ones. They're the ones that have been forgotten. And they benefit so much from being in a foster home that we don't ever want to become a shelter type situation. But we really have been searching to, um, rent or buy a piece of land to work with our dogs because we have this amazing trainer. Her name is Mila with Sunshine Dogs Hawaii and she works with us and all of our dogs. And we want a center to set up like a nice training area to work with all of these dogs that we rescue and take in because we have so many that we work with. I mean, right now we have about 80 dogs that are in our system. And so that's one of our goals. And then also to have that really nice adoption Um, area that we can kind of do adoptions out of because right now we work out of this great um, you know community center that uh, my family is a part of and we do a lot of our adoptions over there but you know it'd be wonderful to have a place that is for us to do the adoptions and I know it will come with time I've never been never been one to rush that you know just I know that it will eventually come when the time is right and the perfect place is available.
0: (laughs) Yeah that sounds amazing I mean From all of your life experience, I mean, taking in all these random animals and then (laughs) working at the vet clinic, it sounds like you're such a resource. So being able to train all these new people and and spread a little bit of your mm-hmm. your passion and um, energy into your community. I mean, you can only imagine how much good it would do. That's a, that's would be an incredible um, undertaking. So, I definitely hope that that um, comes to fruition very mm-hmm. soon. Yes,
2: absolutely.
0: <laughs> Maybe putting it out into the universe will help. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. so do you have personal pets right now? At uh, your, I mean. I- I do. I do. You might've seen him (laughs) running around when we were outside
2: earlier. Um, but yeah, no, I have, um, I have four babies. I had five babies and the other baby is the one on our logo, but Mm -hmm. I have four babies right now. Um, the most recent one I actually adopted last year and I took her in completely not knowing any of her, you know, issues until after I got there, but I went there like, just like, okay, this is, this is going to be my dog. We're going to take her, whatever. And you know, when I got her home, I was just laughing at myself because of course I would pick the one golden retriever in this world that bites people. <laughs> but it, it was so, it was so good. I loved it. You know, um, the reason why I love golden retrievers so much is because my baby girl, my first baby girl, she, um, she was half golden retriever and mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of my heart dog, but I took this girl in and literally I talked with the family. For a good while before I took her in from them, and they said she had never ever left the house. She was in the kennel almost all of the day. She'd never even been on a walk before, and so this poor dog literally would bite at any human that she saw. She was mm-hmm. so terrified, and she would not get in the car. She blew her anal glands. Anytime you tried to pick her up and put her in the car, terrified of the beach. It was the complete opposite of what anybody would think a golden retriever Mm -hmm. is. And I was like, nope, we're just going to, we're going to work with this because she's definitely not going back. She's staying with me. And so, um, it was just so crazy because she was so terrified. And when I look at her nowadays, I just, I just laugh. I just, Think to myself, man. If that family could see you now, they would be so mad they gave you up. <laughs> <laughs> she is the perfect dog now. She still has her quirks because she's still young. She's um she just made three, so she's <laughs> still really fun and outgoing you know puppy stage but now she is the most loving dog and she goes to schools with me for presentations and um, the kids love her they all just like can put all their she has like 30 hands on her during the presentation she loves it like her smile when she goes to the presentation she's like everyone please me, and she adores it but it's just so amazing to see from where she initially came from where she was terrified of people and terrified of cars, terrified at the beach. I really just solely gave her and nothing else. Two weeks, every single day I put her in the car and we drove and we drove to the beach. And at the beach, I handed random people treats and they just held their hand out for her and I just kind of incorporated everything that she didn't like into her daily routine for two (laughs) weeks and by the end of it she's like oh yeah the car takes me to the beach the beach is really fun I like the people because they give me the treats and she was so good and eventually I kind of broke that that was just kind of breaking down the barriers of what she was fearful of and then after that we kind of got into a little bit more of training and working with her and all of that and you know Uh, Starting that process, and now we're actually going to be actually starting her up with um, you know actually more integrated uh, training with uh, Sunshine Dogs Hawaii and everything. And I'm super excited for that. And I love her, and I love her story, and I love how hard her life was in the beginning because it really just goes to show that it doesn't matter if the dog where the dog comes from. You you can absolutely help any dog as long as you give them the needed support and time and understanding of what they're going through.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's so true. And I mean, that's the whole story is so amazing. I feel like I'm like, (laughs) should I just run out to my shelter right now? Um, (laughs) I really, I can't do that. I need to stop (laughs) myself. Um, No, that's what an amazing story. And I mean, the fact that it's coming full circle too, in into like, now you're using this amazing story to like help these kids learn about animals and (laughs) that's so incredible. Oh my gosh. Loves,
2: loves, loves school presentations. So we go into typically middle schools um, because they have a really captive audience and they just Love when she comes in, and uh, we go in. We have like our school presentation that we do. We talk with the uh, with the kids about animals and proper care, and what they can do to help, and how they can actually just improve the lives of their own animals. Um, you know, because if the kid comes home and they say, "Mom, why is our dog tied up on a chain outside with no shelter?" You know, it makes the parents think because so many people don't do certain things to be cruel to animals, but do things because of lack of education. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like educating the kids, they go home and they ask questions to the parents, which makes them think, okay, why, what, what led us to this point that this is the life that our animals, you know, having to live. And I'd like to think that majority of people do things due to, you know, poor education rather than, cruel intent. And, you know, Mm -hmm. of course there are people that do things, you know, intentionally to animals that is harmful, but majority of people just do it because they haven't been taught otherwise, which is the same with not giving your dog flea tick and heartworm prevention. So many families that I talk to that adopt dogs from us and I tell them that they need this have never even been, you know, haven't been made aware of how serious it is and how much benefit it would give to their
0: animals
2: Mm -hmm. to, you know, continue to be provided this form of preventative care.
0: So amazing to hear, because I think for, from our point of view, we see so many like neglectful cases. um, I mean, in cases of abuse. And I mean, of course you do more than any, I mean, we're just seeing it from a computer screen, but you're seeing it in real life. And to have that heart of compassion for these people where you're just like, no, you just didn't know and yeah. then things escalated, and suddenly you don't know what to do anymore. Exactly. Um, that's that's so amazing to hear. Especially, I mean, since you're the one that's that's taking these animals and and <laughs> transforming their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, four dogs in your house, and I'm assuming you probably have fosters too in there. Typically, yes. <laughs> Typically. <laughs> well, oh, but now you have a huge foster network, so you. You got to spread the love. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we've got some fun questions. So you can pick. We really have to. We really have to change these questions because, frankly, (laughs) they're all centered around one dog. And everyone we talk to, everyone has multiple. Has like five dogs. Um, We're of course. we're being silly <laughs> assuming that in rescue, someone's going to have one dog. Um, <laughs> but,
2: that's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> but as so far, you can pick whatever dog you think applies best to the question. So if your dog was president, what would be the first thing they did? Oh my gosh, that is the funniest <laughs> question I've ever heard. Okay. Okay.
2: Um, If my dog, (laughs) if my dog was president, she would advocate that every single dog owner has to take their animal to the beach or on a hike at least once a week. That is literally their happy place; they love it. I mean, most people would probably say like we need to treat every hour, but my (laughs) dog love, love, love being in. Nature and that is like their happiest. When I see them at the beach, they're just like doing these long runs. They're going into the I love it. Um, my three girls that you know I had from m- my three girls I had from when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, they would go swimming out in the water and they would go. All the way out, like they would go, like they're trying to swim out to Chinaman's Hat. Like they would be like going 100 feet, 200 feet, and then they would come turn around and swim back. But they love it. They love it. They love the beach. They love hiking. We go on hikes, and they love to go jump into the rivers and the um, the streams coming down underneath the waterfalls. They absolutely adore. It. It's their favorite thing in the world.
0: <laughs> That sounds like a good rule just for people in general.
1: Right? I mean,
0: I think everyone would be a lot happier. I
2: know. I, I need to get back into that with the quarantine. I haven't really been hiking quite as much, which is funny because we have the availability to. It's just, you know, trying to avoid, you know, to try and social distance. I haven't really been going hiking quite as much, but, you know, we really got to get back into it. And my dogs absolutely adore it. I have the best memories are taking when I had five babies, all five of my babies on a hike and they just, they loved it. We would go to these really off the beaten path hikes and they would, you know, be able to hike off leash into the mountains. They're so amazing. They listen so well. We would go up to a waterfall. They would go swimming. It's just, it's so magical and beautiful. I can't even explain it to you. If you've never hiked to a waterfall, you need to. It is the best experience.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And that just speaks to your amazing ability to train your dogs too. (laughs) Five of them on a hike and you're just like, and enjoy. That's that's so great. (laughs) So then what's one trick your dog has taught you? Oh gosh. One trick that my dog has
2: taught me don't go into the kitchen and reach for anything on top of the refrigerator unless you're grabbing a treat because that's where I keep the dog treats. And if I even walk into the fridge and reach for anything else on top of the fridge, they all come and they sit right in front of the refrigerator <laughs> like at attention. Like, okay, I'm
0: here. Give
1: it they're to like, me. Oh, you,
0: you grabbed the wrong thing. It's okay. Yeah, we'll you reach oh, back bad. up.
2: <laughs> if I reach for the protein powder on top of the fridge, oh, they're just like so unhappy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh man. Okay. And then this one is kind of hard. So take your time. But if you had to pick one life motto, what would it be? I love, I love
2: our rescue motto. That's like, it's always, I've never changed it. It's been that way since we literally first started the rescue. And you know, it's not, it's not long or comprehensive. Like, you know, like I was telling you, the nonprofit that my mom runs, she has such a beautiful and comprehensive model that But our our motto is simple. It's just rescue with heart. And that's all it is. And I just, I've never changed it because I love it. It's so true to us. It's just like, you know, we don't do this for anything except because of how much we love the animals. Mm -hmm. And it's just rescue with heart. And that is how I feel about what we do.
0: (laughs) I mean, and that shines through. I mean, truly, I mean, it feels like, I think, Sydney and I had our day brightened just by talking oh. to you. It's, <laughs>
1: it's, it's incredible. Incredible.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, And it, I feel like you should just talk to everyone and just <laughs> tell everyone what you're doing because it's just going to make them a little bit more passionate about caring for each other, caring for animals. Um, and my gosh, I feel like I just got a, a big adrenaline boost. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, no. So we loved talking to you. Yeah, we're excited to see all the amazing things that Pause of Hawaii is going to do.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: wonderful. Thank you guys so much for taking the time
2: to chat with us and learn about what and who we are and what we do and everything. And you know, we love you guys and your support. And you know, Sydney's messaging me anytime we get in a serious case, <laughs> and she's like, "How can I help? You know, can we put up a fundraiser on our page?" And I love it. It's so amazing. We've some in. So such amazing donations for like Briar Roads and stuff. And, you know, and everything from, you know, your guys sharing of the animal stories and help with that and everything. And like Holokai and the, you know, the joint supplements that was sent for him and the care and, you know, the dog beds and blankets and everything. And we love it. We're so grateful. So thank you.
1: You're so welcome.
0: Well, so Aloha. (laughs) (laughs) Malamopono.
1: incredible that's pretty much one word to sum up that entire discussion um there are just so many amazing things that i could say about ka'ule and the work that she's doing with Pasa hawaii you know the help that she does with her community how she uplifts her community helps homeless populations dump populations Um, she's even helping families and locals who have their own pets who may not be able to take care of them properly she's helping them by educating them and providing them with care i mean it's really really completely endless She's incredibly comprehensive with how she takes care of her pets, making sure that they have the best quality of life. Um, We're going to put some more information about her organization in our blog and our show notes. So feel free to go ahead and check them out if you'd like more information. I mean, I'm going to end that with the first word I said, just incredible. Absolutely. So don't forget to rate,
0: like, and subscribe. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at WeLoveCuddly. That's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks so much.